There we go. Hey, we're live. Taylor, it's great to see you. You got your OU shirt on. Boomer, Boomer Sooner. Sooner, baby. I'm, hey, listen, we just lost this weekend to arch rival Texas, 0 to 49. But I'm yeah. still a Sooner born, Sooner bred fan. Okay. I, that's a great intro for our real investing show. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. We'll try to have some therapy time later. Yeah. Welcome, everyone, to The Real Investing Show. I am Stephen Earp, uh, your co-host, and with my trusty colleague, the great Taylor Davis out of Norman, Oklahoma, rocking the Oklahoma Sooner shirt. Still a fan. Yeah. So it's good to see you, Taylor. So, good to see you, man. Yeah. It's kind of funny that we work together a lot, but I don't actually see you face-to-face -face very often. About once a week. Well, I know, but like real face-to-face, -face. I'm talking oh, eyeball, yeah, eyeball, eyeball, knee yeah. to knee. So I'm yeah. thinking to myself, I wonder, I was thinking this morning, I was like, I wonder how tall Taylor is because I, I don't see you very often face-to-face, -face, like actual face-to-face. -face. When I see you, you're only this big because you're on the screen. Yeah, I'm about 6'3". <laughs> My driver's license says 5'9", but I feel like <laughs> I guess I'm... I'm really close to 6'3'2 then because <laughs> I didn't realize you were that tall. When I was younger, I measured at 5'10", five, five, but uh, I don't know. As you get older, you know, you shrink up a little bit. So I've claimed 5'10 quite a bit. Yeah. I'm I'm a little over 5'9", but it's like 5'9 and a quarter. So, yeah. you know, uh, it is yeah. what it is. Yeah. The nice thing about being that height is I can get on an airplane and be reasonably comfortable. And that's the benefit Okay. <laughs> I don't even know how to respond to that, but I'm glad that makes you happy. So you got to look at the uh, positive. Yeah. Strength is everything. Always look on the bright side of life. <laughs> we should jump in because I don't think people like this sort of banter. It's only for Are you us. sure? I think people definitely subscribe to the podcast to hear about OU and our height. You think so? I would say that that's at least half the reason. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, very good. Well, what are we going to talk about today? So today we're talking about subject twos. Um, okay. This uh, subject twos are kind of a, a unique thing. Uh, you were the one who introduced them to me in 2008 or nine. Oh, wow. If I, if I remember right, that was a pretty rare thing back then or, or a pretty uncommon strategy. Mm -hmm. And I'd say that today it still is. It's kind of a underutilized or, or not used super often strategy, right? Yes. It, it There are some um, online real estate influencers that are promoting it heavily right now, but um, you still don't hear about it in a lot of mainstream um, real estate investing circles. And so maybe just as a... As a quick definition, subject to taking a property subject to, or maybe you've seen sub with the number two, subject to is a method of creative financing. It is a form of an owner finance where you, you take over the property and the, the deed is deeded over into your name to some extent. But the, the existing mortgage, the existing loan stays in the original um, 
loan holder's name. Is that the okay. best way to describe yeah. it? Yeah. So, uh, so to recap, like a su subject to or sub to is yeah. when you're buying a property and you're keeping the mortgage that's already there in place, you're taking over those payments and you're starting to make those payments, uh, but you're keeping that existing mortgage in place. Why would you do that? Well, a lot of reasons you would do it. Um, one reason you would do it. Do you mean why would you do it as a buyer or why would you do it as a seller? Let's go with both. Let's let's go on the investor side. What is the benefit as an investor to purchasing subject to rather than a more traditional financing method? Okay, well, the number one reason I think for an investor to purchase properties using the subject to model is that it does not involve as much of your own cash. Sometimes it involves none of your own cash or most of the time it involves very little of your own cash. So the more you can use other people's money, whether it's the bank's money or whether it is a seller financing deal, um, the more you can leverage your property and the more you the more you leverage the money that you have in the deals, then the more your cash on cash return is. So um, that's that's the that's the biggest benefit there. Another benefit as an investor is a lot of times you can get a deal. A deal might not be good enough for you to go in with all of your cash and to get new financing on it. Right. But it does not have to have as much equity in the deal. And you can go ahead and buy it if 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 there's seller financing on it or if you take the property subject to. Um, and so you can do more deals that you would not be able to do otherwise because, you know, because basically there wouldn't be enough meat on the bones, if you will. Right. So, so you, yeah. we all have a limited amount of cash, right? We all have a certain yes. amount of liquidity and we're trying to put that to use to get the highest return on investment back. And sometimes that means the, the, the lowest amount that I can put in a deal means I can do more deals at the same time right. and ultimately get a, a higher value back. Right. 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 You know, another thing that, and okay, in my opinion, I feel like subject twos have been um, not a great strategy for the last eight to 10 years. And, yeah. and, and I could, I mean, there, I'm sure there are other people that, that disagree with me on that and think differently on that. Yet, I mean, for the most part, interest rates have been low, prices have been steadied, um, market's been pretty steady and, and appreciating at a, at a natural, nice, healthy pace, mm -hmm. uh, from, you know, what, 2013 to 2020. And then it started jumping up. Um, but it was this nice, slow, just steady pace that the market was in, which is a very healthy place in my opinion. And, and that was, that took away from the need of the seller to sell that way because back in like 08, 9, 10, sometimes a subject two was really the only way someone could get out of their mortgage mm -hmm. or get out from underneath that payment uh, without massively damaging their credit or, you know, going through foreclosure and all of this or losing mm -hmm. a lot of money. Mm -hmm. uh, so subject two was an alternative of that. There was a gap there for a long time that didn't make sense. Right. Now the interest rates have doubled since mm -hmm. This the beginning of this year. The beginning of this year, they're around four percent, uh, right. maybe maybe even less on a primary loan. Now you're. We, I was. I met with a lender yesterday. Like primary rates, like for a, a primary house right now is like seven and a quarter right now. So wow. we're talking like this almost doubling in right. interest rates. So now the benefit to 
you, the investor, is I can probably, in most cases, if they've financed this house in the last 12 years, in mm-hmm. most cases, they're going to be at 4% or under. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, now you're taking over a mortgage at 4%, mm-hmm. potentially, maybe even less, mm-hmm. rather than going and getting financing from the bank right now. And if prime's at seven and a quarter, well, then interest or for, a, for an investor is going to be closer to eight, right? Yeah. So yeah. you can save half mm-hmm. the money on the, on the interest as well. Yeah. And, uh, and also forever, the part of the attraction to subject to as an investor is that the interest rate was lower because whoever had the interest rate was getting it as a homeowner and it's right. usually a government backed loan. So you would be, it would be a um, conventional or FHA or something like that. And so it had a, a lower interest rate in general. So even when interest rates were not super volatile, like they have been over the past 12 months, it, it made a lot of sense for investors to get a much lower interest rate. Um, and so for the seller, here are some examples. Maybe let's talk about examples of when it makes sense for a seller and I'd love to talk about the risks because I think that's something that we always we always communicated to the person that we were buying it subject to from because we did a couple together in, in 08, 09. Um, yes. And we always set the expectation of what this would look like, right? Mm-hmm. So two, and, and in last week's episode, the reason we're going deeper dive into subject mm-hmm. two is because last week you kind of teased on it because you right. just recently bought one and, and are flipping it right. uh, using subject two. So- Talk to me. Um, we got a little bit detailed last week in that particular one, but what are some reasons that a in, that a seller would want to sell it to you, subject to? So if if a seller, so here are the re- the reasons that a seller might want to sell it to you, subject to, are the same reasons that a seller might just want to dump a property or get out of a property really fast. Reasons like um, they they owe too much on the house. And they've gotten into a financial bind and they need help tomorrow. So like if you cannot make your payments, you, you've got a job transfer, you're moving out of town and your house is there and, you, and it needs a little bit of work and you've got to get out of it fast. The easiest way to do that is to talk to someone like me or you and say, look, here's my house. You start making the payments and it's yours. Right. Like that's basically, that's the general thing. It's like, here are the keys. You start making the payments and the house is yours. Now, there are some paperwork issues you have to deal with. But for someone who has to get out of it quickly, um, another reason is if people are uncomfortable having other people walk through their house, they're embarrassed. They have, I mean, I, had, I took one property subject to, they had a massive bug problem and they were really embarrassed by it. Um, I had another one that was like a hoarding family. They didn't want people to walk through their house. Um a lot of times it's like they owe in that moment too much on the house to sell it, but the property's in an area that I can take it subject to their existing mortgage and I can still rent it out and make cash flow. Right. So like they couldn't sell it to a retail buyer, but I could take it over and still make cash flow. And that that those are some of the reasons that it works. Now, right now, I think a lot of higher end homes might be some of the potential for subject twos. And the reason is like when it gets harder to sell those luxury homes or the, you know, the nicer homes um, and they just are not going to have as many options, 
but I, I mean, I mean, you tell me what you think about this, but to me right now, especially with what we've seen recently with selling houses, it's like the market has cooled off, but it has not like, it's not a bad market for sellers still. No, the market's definitely cooled down and you're a hundred percent right. When you, it, it actually, I ran numbers yesterday and in the Oklahoma city market, when you click over to the $400,000 and up market, mm -hmm. uh, it's a much, much softer market. When you're in the hundred to two hundred thousand dollar range, it's so competitive. You're still getting, you know, multiple offers many times. It's a very strong seller's market in that one to two hundred thousand, even up to three hundred thousand, because the average price point now is around two fifty. Yeah. Where if you go over that four hundred thousand and you go up into the luxury market five hundred and up, mm -hmm. you're really starting to see a lot of competition. You're seeing four months of inventory roughly, mm -hmm. um, so that really changes some things. So imagine somebody bought a $600,000 house six years ago. It's on a 30 year loan and they have a 3% interest rate. And like they're, they may not be able to sell it for what they paid for. If they paid for it, you know, at the top of the market, right. they may not be able to come out of it with their realtors fees. If they have 10% in fees and I mean, they may not be able to come out right um, in a positive way. So, so there are some, Th those are some of the, there, there probably are other reasons uh, I've thought of, but a lot of times I used to get a lot of subject to properties by marketing to expired listings. Now I have not done anything with expired listings in a long time, but way back in the day, I would get lists of expired listings from the MLS and I would send handwritten letters to them and say, Hey, I want to buy your house. Like the and day it went off the day it went off the market. Hey, I want to buy your house. And it's like, there's some reason the house didn't sell. Real quick, uh, an expired listing is someone who listed with a real estate agent, their listing agreement expired without it selling. So in most cases, they've been on the market, I'd say on average, that's going to be about six months. The average listing is going to be about a six month listing. So they've been on the market for six months. They failed. At this point, they're frustrated. They they felt like they took the <laughs> traditional route and it failed them. And now they're looking for another option. And that's where you came in. And And Subject twos are a really great option. This is why I was saying like for a while there, subject twos didn't make a lot of sense. Like yeah. I could go out and get a low interest. Like there, there were, there were incentives. Money was easy to find. Market was steady in most places. Money or the, the market was uh, increasing at just enough of a rate that someone wouldn't be upside down. But back in 08, 9, 10, when you're in a down market, the subject two becomes a very, very creative way to make a deal work. Uh, I also think that in the market that we just entered in, I mean, literally last week, rates jumped on another point, a whole point. When, mm -hmm. when, when that happens and you're looking at uh, a seven and eight, eight percent interest rate mm -hmm. versus a four percent interest rate, the deal doesn't work for you to rent that out as a rental at eight percent. But the deal mm -hmm. absolutely works at 4%. So if mm -hmm. you're able to go in and, and take over a home and so someone's at that break even or they're they're going to struggle and they just want to be done like you were talking about, today's market, it makes sense. Also, your holding costs, if you're doing – because with the one that you just closed, yeah. that was a, that's a short term – you're doing it a subject to for a short term. You're planning on a six-month turnaround, correct, or less. Right, right. And, and so with that – you don't have, you know, when you go to a, a bank uh, and you're borrowing money for a, for a flip, there's mm -hmm. going to be all of the origination fees. There's going to be those those closing costs. You've got appraisal fees. 
mm-hmm. all of that on the front end, then you're paying a higher interest rate for a mm-hmm. few months, you know, while you're yep. holding it and then you go and sell it. So at the end of that, you're probably looking at roughly, I mean, it, on a six month flip for a mm-hmm. $150,000, $200,000 home, which is kind of the bread and butter flip range around here, mm-hmm. I would say that you're looking at about $5,000 in in fees uh, that you're going to spend going to a bank and doing that versus mm-hmm. the subject to. And that $5,000 can actually go into the pocket. Like, you're going to end up making your profit, right? That $5,000 could go into the pocket of the person that you're buying it from. It might be an advantage to them because right. it's an advantage to you and you're still getting your profit, but they're able to get what they want to, right? Yeah. Yep. Totally agree. And I, I think with the interest rates, the way they jumped last week, like I bet in four to four to six months from now, I, I, no one knows we can't predict the future. There's no crystal ball, but like they're probably going to stay this high for a while, wouldn't you think? I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Uh, okay. Don't know. Well, if if it stays up here for a while, I think in four to six months there'll be massive opportunities for taking properties subject to. The I agree. One hundred percent. The longer the interest rates are higher like this, the more opportunities there are for taking properties subject to the existing mortgage or other types of creative financing deals. Because what'll happen is. These people want to sell their homes, but it's harder for other people to buy them. Like right. it's it shifts the whole thing. I mean, like doubling the interest rate shifts the amount of homes someone can buy. Hundred so, percent, dude. Yeah, we had for- like w- this is the first time in my career where we're having to where, where we're receiving a pre-approval letter that's mm-hmm. a month old, and I'm having to send it back and say, "Give me an updated one," because when you got approved for this house two months ago, uh, we were at five and a half percent interest. Mm -hmm. So you were approved for 200,000. This is great. But now we're at seven and a quarter interest. You're probably only approved for 180. So, so that, that totally shifts that borrowability power. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So real quick mechanics, let's talk real, like we're not not attorneys. We can't go into details on exactly how to structure this. But mm-hmm. let's give the 30,000 foot view of the the way that you structure a subject to. Okay. So there are two ways that I'm familiar with to structure a subject to. And there's much more involved in it than this. Like, But option number one in doing the subject to is the seller. So you, you negotiate how you're going to do it. If you're going to pay the seller anything, if you're going to pay them some amount of equity, um, how you're going to structure that. So you negotiate. Right, there's three ways to do that real quick. So you could do, you're not getting anything. We're taking over the payment. That's usually when they're upside down or it's a break even and yes. their benefit is they're breaking even. Option number two is you pay them something upfront or like you did, you're giving them some kind of a benefit. Like you negotiated other mm-hmm. debts down for them in order yeah. to make that happen. So they're getting something immediately. And then yeah. a third way that we've done it in the past is uh, when we sell this home six in the next six months, we will then pay you X number of dollars, correct? Yes. Okay. So you, you negotiate that. Then they will deed the property into a trust. And so it goes from uh, John Smith to, you know, 123 Main Street Trust. Yes. Okay. Into And depending on the state, and we're not attorneys, but like some type of trust, okay? Uh, depending on what state you're in. But so they deed it into a trust and they make you the trustee. And so that uh, then gets filed with whatever county you're in. So you effectively have changed the title. Now you have control over that property. 
but the loan is still in their name. And then you just change the address, the payment information, and you uh, and you just start making their payments. And that's basically how it works. Okay, so why is this not illegal? It seems so illegal. Well, there's no. Well, why would it be illegal to for someone to transfer over their house into your name? What would be illegal about that? Right. Like, there's so literally this is where, nothing this is illegal. Where about people it. get confused. Is a lot of the yeah. times people think this must be illegal or this is illegal. It is absolutely not. Now, yeah. what <coughs> what what can happen? Yeah. Is every mortgage. No, mm -hmm. Every mortgage that is ever filed has what's called a due on sale clause, yes. meaning the mortgage company can say they have the right to call the note due yes. on a sale. So yes. that mortgage company, when they, because they, mortgage companies are smart, they mm -hmm. get notified when uh, things are changed from name to name, right? So if right. it went from, John Smith to Stephen Earp, they're going to be notified of that. And they're going to say, Hey, we want our money back. Right. They have the right to do that. They don't have to do that. But they have the right to do that because mm -hmm. when you take over that, Stephen, mm -hmm. you're, you're buying it subject to the existing mortgage. Mm -hmm. And so the re and so the mortgage company has the right to do it, but they don't have to do that. They could just let you continue to make the mortgage mm -hmm. by putting it in a trust you're helping mitigate the fact that 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 they will call it due and mm -hmm. instead you're just going to continue to make that payment and then they would only really call it due if you stopped making the payment correct yeah and the mortgage company like what do they want they want you to make the payments on time it it keeps the it for for the seller it keeps their credit intact because you're yep. making a payment on time and it helps their credit for the for the lender they're getting their money, which is all they want. You, the, your mortgage company does not want your house. Like, they don't. They don't want your house. They want your money. And so you keep making the payment. There's, it's very unlikely. So uh, across the United States, I've only heard of a couple of examples of mortgage companies like calling the note due. Like you transferred title, so now we're going to take your property. And those, like I've, the ones I've heard of are like they'll go to court and then the courts say, well, they're making the payment. What's your problem? And so it's... It's not likely that the mortgage company is going to call the note due. It is a possibility that that could happen. Now, um, as a real estate agent, I'm going to say this. The one downside or the, in my opinion, well, there's two downsides to the seller who's selling it and selling it to you and mm -hmm. keeping because now the mortgage is still in their name. So if I were to, to if I were in a position where I needed out from a mortgage and I came to you, Stephen, and I said, hey, take over my payments. The downside is I'm still actually responsible for that payment being made. Yes. If, so the the one scare, the scariest thing is if I don't trust you yeah. and if you're unscrupulous, this could happen and then you stop making the payment and now that reflects on me, right? Now, mm -hmm. there's legal ways to go back and, and, right. and go after you for that, but still it would it would come back on my credit. So that's yes. one. And then, yeah. but honestly, that's only if you really get a, if you, if you do this with somebody who's untrustworthy, uh, the second thing, and this is, this is a downside, even mm -hmm. to someone like you that I know is going to continue to make my payment mm -hmm. is the downside for me as the seller is mm -hmm. that mortgage is still on my name, which, and it's mm -hmm. on my credit. So the benefit is I'm getting 
my credit score is going to continue to stay strong or go up because you're mm -hmm. making your payment on time. The downside mm -hmm. is that is still counted against me as debt. So when mm -hmm. I go to try to buy another property later, mm -hmm. I'm going to be faced with the fact that I am still responsible for this mortgage. Yeah. And uh, the workaround of that is um, if you can, some lenders will be a little bit more creative. And if you can show a uh, lease or something in writing that shows that someone else is making that payment, they may be able to overcome that. Yes. So, and I've had three different occasions where someone, I took a property from someone subject to, um, and three you different are an important man. I know my phone went off while I'm on a podcast. So you're welcome. <laughs> well, actually, I'm putting new grass down at, uh, on a property. So that has to do with the reminder on the grass. So, um, but so, uh, what was I saying? Oh, three different occasions when someone had, I'd taken a project property subject to, and then what happened is they came back and said, Hey, I need to buy a house now. And you know, what do I do? And I just, I just said, put me in contact with your lender. And then I just told the lender, I explained the whole thing to the lender. Here's what we did. You tell me what you need. And in, in some cases it was like, well, I need proof that you're paying it. In some cases it was like, we're going to count this amount towards. So in other words, it offset their income. So in three different occasions in working with the lender, they were able to get another house loan. Yep. And I just told the lender, here's what we did. Here's what I'm going to continue to do. You tell me what you need in order for this to happen. Yeah. And so and this goes back to lenders at the end of the day. They want to lend money on houses and get paid back for it. They don't want the house back. It right. actually stops their ability to lend more money when mm -hmm. they have to take the house. It's real yeah. estate. It's REO. When you heard the term REO, that's just a that's a spreadsheet term that just yeah. means how many properties do I actually does the bank own because yeah. that actually holds them back from being able to lend more. Yeah. So now one other way of doing a subject too, which is increasing in popularity across the United States right now. And there are some really big influencers in the real estate space that are advocating this as opposed to using trusts. Okay. I use trusts. Okay. That's but all the, I've ever used. So yep. A, a lot of the all biggest right. names right now are doing it differently. What they're doing is they're using wraparound mortgages instead. Okay. So they're not transferring title. So they are transferring title, but then they're using a wraparound mortgage. So in other words, um, they're going, they're, they're transferring title directly into an LLC or whatever their business entity is. They're not using a trust. And then the seller puts a mortgage, another mortgage on the property. So you have the original mortgage, um, and you owe 110,000 and then the seller gives you a mortgage for 110,000 and okay. they file a wraparound mortgage. So that's another way of doing it. And they're not using trusts. Okay, so, so properties worth because because in today's world, most people have equity in their home and probably right. quite a bit. I mean, market's right. gone up twenty percent in the right. last year and a half, two years. Right. Um, so if you were to take that and say, like, okay, you've got a two hundred thousand dollars house, I owe one hundred and fifty mm -hmm. on it. I'm gonna I'm gonna we're we're gonna put this into your LLC. Mm -hmm. um, you're gonna take over the the one hundred and fifty thousand dollars payments. I want fifty thousand dollars. You don't want to come up with fifty thousand dollars cash. But I'm willing to take payments. So I get out of this mortgage, but I also get to make a monthly payment. This would be effective when this is probably the most effective way, correct me if I'm wrong, for a long-term rental. 
rather than a short-term flip. Would that yeah. be the better strategy yeah, that, there? Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I don't know if it's better, but it. I don't know if I would do a wraparound mortgage if I was going to sell it quickly, you know? Right. Because you could just do a, hey, a balloon payment in six months of $50,000. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. No, By the way, just, a balloon payment means uh, you've got a mortgage. I owe you this money. I may mm -hmm. or may not be making payments on it, but at the end of a certain term, maybe six mm -hmm. months, a year, yeah. two years, all of that payment is due. Yep. Okay. Um, now, a couple of quick notes, and then we'll kind of wrap this up. Um, I, I want to share some of the downsides from you for you as an investor. So the, the reason that a subject to is valuable to me as an investor is that I can do more deals using creative financing, using other people's money. Um, I get better interest rates. I can buy properties I couldn't buy otherwise. Like there are tons of benefits. It also, it doesn't tie up my credit. It doesn't tie up my debt to income necessarily. You see what I'm saying? Right. So there are so many benefits there. There are a couple of challenges you need to know about if you're going to be doing subject twos. Number one challenge is this. If the seller ends up filing bankruptcy and their attorney includes the mortgage, the original mortgage in the bankruptcy, there is almost nothing you can do to stop it. So, and I had that happen one time and I lost a house. Now, I did not lose a lot of equity or money because I was making money on it on monthly cash flow. But if the original seller ends up later filing bankruptcy. So I take a property subject to the existing mortgage. And then um, a year from now, the original seller, the loan is still in his name and he files bankruptcy and he includes that loan in the bankruptcy because he has attorney does a search for all of his debts and he includes that uh, property in the bankruptcy. You can try to get it kicked out of the bankruptcy um, but, but what I experienced is the attorney was like, no, why would I do that? He's going to have a bankruptcy anyway. I'm just as well to get them to, uh, to include the house in the bankruptcy. So I ended up losing out. Now, the other way that a subject to is difficult or cause problems is this, it's going to require a lot of communication with the sellers ongoing. And yeah. here's, here's why, because you have the property and a year from now they talk to their uncle and their uncle says that guy's scamming you. And then you have to explain it again or two years from now. And they're talking for estate planning purposes to an attorney. And the attorney's like, what the heck is this? It's not a common way of doing things. And so then you have to explain it again, or the daughter is helping them with their finances. And they're like, what did you, you know, why are you, why is this house still in my mom's name, but you're making the payments. That's super weird. Do you see what I'm saying? So right. there's ongoing communication that that is just it's a lot of challenge and you just have to be ready for it and you have to have people skills and and you just have to keep explaining it over and over so probably there's a way to overcome that by developing some sort of document that's like here's the agreement we made here's what we're doing here's the impact and when someone contacts you you just email it to them yeah <laughs> but but from in my i have not done that and so that that's the challenge so one more scary thing, or not scary. I mean, like this is this can happen anytime. But I, I'm thinking back to one that we did in 2009, probably. Yeah. Um, we we bought it subject to. Yeah. Uh, it was a rural property. We yeah. were we couldn't just turn around and sell it because the market just wasn't mm -hmm. there. So we ended up we didn't want to just rent it out because it's out kind of in the middle of yep. rural area. We didn't want to drive all the way out there for and have a long term rental out there. So yeah. we thought we did the right thing by selling it 
on a like rent to own. Yeah. And uh, and we did that and everything was great (laughs) for three months. And then they stopped making their payments. Now, the the people the rent the people that were getting it from us rent to own stopped paying us. Mm -hmm. Uh, we had to then go through like seven, eight, nine months of legal stuff. We had to pay an attorney to get them out. Then when we got them out, we find out that they've got five huge dogs in the house that have completely destroyed the place. Yep. Uh, and because you and I are, we live in integrity. Mm -hmm. We lost that was probably my biggest loss to date. If I remember right, like we lost a lot in that transaction because we had to keep making the payment. They yeah. owed, I don't remember what it was, but we were probably when, when we got that house back and it smells like dog and was all torn up. We're what? 30 grand in the hole upside down in this. I don't, deal. Know. I, I don't know. It was a mess, but I will say this, that is really less of a risk of taking a property subject to, and it's more of a it's more of a risk of selling a property to someone on terms. Yep. And so from maybe another show we can do that in the future of like selling, selling on terms because you can sell on terms and there's a benefit. We 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 made deals happen. You were just talking about this that you had somebody just on a rent to own just make their last payment earlier this year, right? They yep. And she was in this position of like I would never have been able to be a homeowner had I had you not given me this opportunity. Yep. And she paid it off. And that's amazing. Yeah. Um, and I so had just as a that. teaser, as a teaser, one of the properties I'm still getting a check from monthly um, right now it was a deal that you and I negotiated together back in 2008 or 2009. And then eventually when we you know, parted ways, I ended up with this one and I, I get a check every month. I've not seen the property in 15 years. And yeah. so, um, but anyway, and that, and when it's rent to own, they, yeah. they are responsible for the maintenance. So you don't have the call of, Hey, the the latch on the front door isn't working. We're giving them too much information, man. So you got all the information about subject two. We'll talk about rent to own and owner finance as an investor in another episode. Sounds so good. I hope this was helpful to you guys. Subject two might be a good strategy for some of you. If you have any questions, uh, look us up at the, uh, you can find us at the realinvestingshow.com. Uh, all of our contact information is there for Taylor, for me. And uh, yeah, Send us your questions about real estate, real estate investing. If you're interested in investing with us, we do partner with passive investors uh, in buying apartment complexes and commercial properties and things like that. So let us know if you uh, want to put some of your money to work, but you don't want to have to uh, um, clean toilets and deal with tenants. So thank you guys so much for watching The Real Investing Show and uh, keep following us. 